Our God is an awesome God. Shout to the Lord all the earth and let us sing. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. Waymaker, miracle worker, Jesus. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome to Riverside and happy Father's Day. So thankful for all of our dads, for all the fathers in the room. Thanks for being here. What a great day to gather and to worship our Father in heaven. I was telling my daughter last night, we were driving in the car and I said, I have an idea. Uh, I think uh, in the morning before I preach, I'll get you up on stage and I'll just tell dad jokes until you smile. And then when you smile, I'll stop and I'll start preaching. And she looked up at me with those big brown eyes and a smile on her face. And she's like, dad. We can't keep the people waiting that long. (laughs) So I'm just going to get right to it this morning. I want to start with this idea. This idea that your perspective changes your perception. Your perspective changes your perception. A few weeks ago, our family got to go to the beach for a quick vacation. And I don't know about you. I love the beach. It's my favorite place to get away on vacation, especially with our family. The reason I love the beach so much is because I love the ocean. There's something about standing on the beach, you know, facing the ocean, seeing the waves crash in. I don't know about you, but I I probably feel closer to God when I'm there at the ocean than anywhere else. And I think part of that is because the ocean is just so big. It's huge, right? Like I can see it, but I can't see it. I can't see all of it. It's, it's too big to see. They say that the ocean is so big, you could take the moon, if you had the ability to take the moon out of the sky, you could take the moon and you could put it in the ocean and there would still be room. That's how big the ocean is. They say the, the ocean is so deep at its deepest point in the Mariana Trench, at, at, at the Challenger Deep, it's some 36,000 feet below sea level. That's seven miles deep. If you were somehow able to get that deep in the ocean depths, it would literally crush you. The pressure would be too great for you. The ocean is, it's it's so big. It's so deep. It's so powerful. There's just so much to stand and behold. When you look at the ocean, you realize, you realize how big it is. And then A few years ago, I'm at the ocean, and I'm I'm out there in the waves enjoying enjoying the day. And I come up at one point, you know, I'm out there swimming in the ocean waves, enjoying the the ocean. I come up at one point, and I stand up, because you know how it is in the ocean. You start to drift after a while, and I want to find our family, see where everybody is. I stand up, and when I did that, of course, I took my my eyes off the ocean behind me, and the waves crashed again. What I didn't know as I'm looking for my family is that there's a big wave coming in and all of a sudden out of nowhere it hits me it hits me it knocks me over I get submerged underwater the undertow is so strong it pulls me under I'm slammed on my back I finally am able to come up for air as soon as I do right I get that first gulp of air back in my lungs my back is beat red and all scratched up from the ocean floor and the first thought that enters my brain is I just got body slammed by God right that's what it felt like the ocean is so big It's so powerful, it's so deep, it's so amazing. And as you stand to consider just how big the ocean is, you begin to realize just how small you are. Your perspective changes your perception. The psalmist said it this way, 
Psalm 93, verse 4. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. A few years ago, I got to go to the Grand Canyon. Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? The Grand Canyon is so big. They say the Grand Canyon is bigger than the state of Rhode Island. Did you know that? That's how big the Grand Canyon is. The Grand Canyon, it runs about a mile deep at its deepest point. It's 277 miles long. At its widest point, it's 18 miles wide. If you stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon, it's kind of like standing on the edge of the ocean. It's that same sensation, right? You can see it, but you can't see it. You can see it, but you can't see all of it. It's too big. It's too massive. And as you stand there and consider just how big, it is, it's unbelievable. Did you know that from the north rim to the south rim of the Grand Canyon, it's only about 10 miles as the crow flies, but if you wanted to go to the north rim and the, sa- and the south rim on the same day, you would have to cross the, the Colorado River through the, through the park, travel some 215 miles, but it would take you over five hours. That's how massive the Grand Canyon is. If you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you just take it all in, you begin to think about and try to comprehend, like how long did it really take the Grand Canyon to become the Grand Canyon? And I'll be honest, I have no idea. I don't know if it took 6,000 years, 6 million years, 6 billion years, or maybe when God created the heavens and the earth, he just took his pinky and drug it through the sand and then boom, there it was, the Grand Canyon. I don't know how it happened. But as you stand there and try to consider all of that, it's overwhelming. And you begin to realize just how big it is and how small you are. The Grand Canyon is so big that NASA has taken pictures of it from outer space. You can see it from outer space. That's how massive and and, and huge it is. The psalmist said this in Psalm 95. For the Lord is great. He is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him. He made it. And with his hands, he formed the dry land. Your perspective, it changes your perception. I've never been to outer space. I kind of want to go. Anybody want to go? I think, I think we should go. Let's plan a trip, right? It, it, me and you. Let's go to outer space. I think it would be amazing. I want to go to the moon and I want to look back at planet Earth. You've probably seen this picture before. This picture was taken from the moon of planet Earth. Earth. And just think about that. The moon, it's pretty far away. It's about 240,000 miles away from planet Earth. But just imagine you made that trip and you're standing on the surface of the moon and you're looking at planet Earth. Can you see your house? Can you see the street you live on? Can you see anybody you know? No, you're, 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 you're too far away. Let, let's, but let's imagine we just kept the journey going. Go ahead and go to the sun with me. Let's go to the sun and let's look back at planet Earth. Now you're standing on the sun, but you know like I know, you can't stand on the sun. It's too hot, right? They say the sun is some 27 million degrees Fahrenheit at the core. How do they know that? I have no idea. Like who found that out? How do they do? I, I don't know how that works. I, I can't do that math. But anyway, if you were able to stand on the sun, well, you can't, you'd be instantly consumed. But if you could, you would be some 94 million miles away from planet Earth, which sounds really far. And you know what? It is. But then you realize, oh, I'm still in one little corner of our galaxy called the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is beautiful, by the way, but it's only one galaxy. And scientists estimate that there's some 100 billion galaxies in the universe. How do they know that? I don't know. I think that's their way of saying we have no idea how many (laughs) galaxies are in the universe. Anybody feeling small yet? When, when, When you change your 
perspective, you begin to change your perception. Isaiah the prophet said this, look up into the heavens. Just look up. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Your perspective changes your perception. But for a lot of us, our perception is reality. But we have a perception problem. Why? Because we have a perspective problem. And because of that, our present reality is often negatively affected. If we could somehow change our perception, we might be able to change our perspective. But until we do, we'll never be able to really and fully see what it is that I think God wants us to see. And the problem is, is that this has been a problem for people for a long, long time. In fact, if you ask me, this was the problem that Israel faced thousands of years ago when they were leaving the land, the nation of Egypt. Maybe you remember this story. But Israel had been, been in captivity as slaves in the land of Egypt for 430 years. Think about that. Centuries had gone by. They had been praying and praying and praying for God to come. God, rescue us. God, save us. God, deliver us. For 430 years. And then God hears their cries. And God decides to answer their prayers. And so God chooses a man by the name of Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go to the Pharaoh in Egypt, the ruler, the king of Egypt. Go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses does. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, this is what God says. He says, let my people go. Pharaoh thought he was the most powerful force on the planet. And so Pharaoh said, no. Pharaoh declined the offer. He wanted to keep the people who, were, who had been his slaves for some 430 years, he wanted to keep them in the land. But God had decided it was time to set these people free. So God sent 10 plagues on Pharaoh and all of Egypt. He sent everything from flies to frogs. He turned a river into blood. And don't miss this. It was horrible. It was terrible. And people, a lot of people suffered. And you may wonder, like, how could a loving God do that? But don't miss this. Before, before the very first turn and at every turn, God sent Moses to Pharaoh. Because before, before God's judgment ever comes. There's always an opportunity to choose the way of God. The love of God, the mercy of God always comes before the judgment of God. But at every turn, Pharaoh said no. And at every turn, God sent another plague on the land of Egypt until the 10th plague when Pharaoh finally said, enough is enough. I will let these people go. Get Moses in here right now. Take the people and leave. And Moses does. Moses does. The people of Israel are finally experiencing an exit from the land of Egypt, an exit from their land of darkness, their land of slavery, and they're going to enter into a new life of freedom, a land of promise. This is an exciting time in the life of these people that had cried for so long to God to, God to come and save them. But almost, almost immediately after the people leave, Pharaoh begins to have regrets. He realizes, I've built my entire empire on the backs of these slaves, these Israelites, and now they're gone. The economy is about to fall apart. My empire is about to fall apart. What are we going to do? The workforce, the manual labor, they've all just left. He gathers his generals. He gathers his armies. He gathers his soldiers. And he says, go. Go and get those people and bring them back. And in this moment, something happens 
these Israelites that I think happens to a lot of us. As soon as they hear the sound of those chariots coming, as soon as they see those soldiers on their way, Israel is filled with fear. If you have your Bible or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, I'd love for you to, to open up and follow along. This is an incredible story found in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. I'm going to start in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Don't you love that? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. What was their problem? They had a perspective problem. They were focused on their fear instead of their God. They were more concerned with the size of their enemy, the size of their worry, than they were with the size of their God, who, by the way, had just delivered them in a miraculous way from 430 years of slavery. God had just literally answered the prayers that they had been praying for generations. God had done for them what only God could do for them. And now they had the opportunity, right, to live as the people of God, the chosen people of God, to live into his freedom, to live into his provision. But as soon as soon as what once oppressed them came around the corner, they were fear, filled with fear once again. And I just wonder, can anybody relate to that? Have you ever been filled with fear by something you thought you were free from? At this point in the story, all Israel can see is that in front of them is the Red Sea which is impassable. It's too wide, it's too deep, and the current is too strong. Behind them is the Egyptian army. These are trained warriors. They've got weapons, they've got horses, they've got chariots. The people of Israel have nothing. They're untrained slaves. They're literally between a rock and a hard place. From their perspective, there is no escape. They are as good as dead. They thought they needed to surrender to Pharaoh and return to slavery in Egypt. What they really needed was to surrender to God and enter into his freedom. What they needed was a change in their perspective. So Moses said, verse 13, don't be afraid. I know you've got a lot to be afraid of right now. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. A lot of us, we've got a perception problem, right? Our perception is reality, but we have a perception problem because we have a perspective problem. And so the experience of our present reality is often incredibly negative. Moses tells the people of Israel, hey, let me change your perspective. That same God that just delivered you from the land of Egypt, from 430 years of slavery, he's going to deliver you again. He's going to fight for you. 
Just like he fought for you before, he will fight for you again. Just like he saved you before, he will save you again. And oh, by the way, if you can remember God's faithfulness in the past, it will give you hope and confidence in your present. What do you need to do? Stay calm. Hey God, what's the battle plan? Stay calm. But what if I can't see a way out? What if I feel boxed in? What if I'm between a rock and a hard place? Stay calm. What if everybody's telling me that it's all about to fall apart? Stay calm. What if I don't know what to do next? Stay calm. What if there are important people, powerful people, people of influence who are telling me that there's no way forward, that we've got to go back to where we were before, go back to the way things were before. What do I need to do? Stay calm. What's the battle plan? Stay calm. The Lord will fight for you. Verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps, and as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and charioteers, all of them chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand. Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians in their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water wa rushed back to its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, all of the Egyptians, every enemy who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But, but the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the waters stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites, they saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord. And in his servant, Moses. 
Church, here's the good news for you today. Fear can't swim. Whatever you're afraid of, whatever enemy is coming against you, whatever you're worried about, whatever's coming after you, it will be drowned in the river of God's grace. And whenever your perception is reality, but you have a perception problem, that's because you have a perspective problem. And if you could just see what God sees when he looks at you, if you could just understand that the same God that created the oceans, the same God who stretched them out across planet Earth, that same God created you and he knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head and he loves you. If you could just see that the same God that created the Grand Canyon, all 277 miles of it with the Colorado River running right through it, creating majestic views, yet you are more majestic than anything you will ever see at the Grand Canyon. The same God that created that, he created you and he knows you by name and he loves you. The same God, the same God who breathes stars into existence, who said, let there be light and the sun appeared. That same God, the same God that created the Milky Way and all of its majesty. And by the way, you, you are more majestic. You are the crowning achievement of God. You are the one that he longs to be in relationship with and have unhindered fellowship with. It's you, it's always been you. And if you could just understand and see your life and your circumstance and your situation from his perspective, then your perception would change and you would understand just how loved you are. As small as you may seem, how loved you are and how great your God is. What do you need to do? In the middle of your fear, in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your worry with the Red Sea before you and the Egyptians behind you, stay calm. And I know you've got Egyptians breathing down your neck and I don't know what they are for you. Your Egyptians may look like addiction. Your Egyptians may look like financial trouble or problems in your family. Your Egyptians may look like sin that just won't let you go. It may look like temptation. You just, you just can't get out from under. Your Egyptians may be loneliness, anxiety, depression. I don't know. But whatever Egyptians are coming after you, whatever Red Sea is in front of you, here's what you need to know. All you have to do is stay calm. Stay calm. Put your faith and your hope and your trust in God. And when God does for you what God did for Israel, what should you do? You do the same thing they did. You turn the page in Exodus 15. And this is what happens next. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my song. This is my God. And I will praise him. My father's God. And I will exalt him. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. The Lord will reign forever and ever. What did they do? They worshiped. They sang a song just like the song we're about to sing. How great is our God. There's no one like our God. Our God has no rival, no equal. There is no one like him. Robed in majesty, dressed in splendor, there is no God like our God. How great is our God. 
And when you change your perspective, you change your perception of your current, your reality, and you realize that, you know what, your fear, no matter how great it is, it is not greater than our God. And when you sing about the greatness of God, you declare your dependence on him. Church, if you would, let's stand. We want to end today with a song of worship. And here's what I want you to know as we sing. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're going through, whatever problem you're up against or crisis is, is you're in the middle of, whatever Red Sea is in front of you, whatever Egyptian army is behind you, here's what I want you to know. God's not worried. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory, he is seated on the throne. He's not pacing the streets of heaven. There's no stress in his life. And when he looks down on you, he understands you're worried. He understands your fear. He gets all of that, but he wants you to know you don't have to be afraid because he's the same God that parted the Red Sea before and he can do it again. He's the same God that drowned those Egyptian armies in the Red Sea and he can do it again. Whatever you're up against, whatever you're afraid of, whatever you're worried about, your God is greater than your greatest fear. And as we respond in worship, some of us are gonna respond because we've experienced God's deliverance. We know what that feels like. Some of us are gonna sing because we need God's deliverance. And we're gonna praise him in the middle of the fear, in the middle of the anxiety, in the middle of the worry, in the middle of, of all of it. But as we do, as we worship, as we sing, and as we declare how great is our God, we declare our dependence on him. And in the middle of our worship, something happens to our worries. God drowns them in his grace. So church, let's declare how great, how great is our God.